Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. See, that's what I'm talking about. Some Christmas music bump. This is specifically with John Scott coming aboard. John, I told Josh to uh, play some Christmas music today. And when you were coming on, I said, we got to get some boy band Christmas music, right? Do you have any, do you have any favorite Christmas music? I, we, we, Josh chose, chose some sync for you here. And by the way, good morning to you. Love that song. Love, of course, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas yep. is You. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Pentatonics, an acapella group that started on wow. an NBC show years and years and years ago, and now they've elevated into a Grammy award-winning group that pumps out a Christmas album every single year, um, and they're phenomenal. So I, I, I like it all. I <clears throat> choose to wait until about this time of the year, of the season, to fully immerse myself into the Christmas music. I can't do it right after Thanksgiving, like some people do. And I know the radio station, one of them in town does, but uh, it's great music. It's, it's a great time. And, and yeah, we, you know, we're, we're in the home stretch here. So the next week it'll be, it'll be full, full go Christmas music. Yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar with this group. Tell me more about them. Who, what's their name and what, what kind, what does their music sound like? So Pentatonics is their name. They're five people, an acapella group. And Love it. they cover all sorts of Christmas music. They'll even sometimes bring in other artists, like Jennifer Hudson's done some stuff with them, Jason Derulo and non-Christmas stuff. Um, and so no instruments. It's all vocals. And they're just, I mean, they're, they're incredible. I mean, they got people, there's five of them, and they all probably could do something individually should they choose. But uh, they go on tour and uh, sell out. They're, they're just a, a phenomenal group. They were on a NBC singing show over a decade ago called The Sing-Off, and that's how I first became to know who they were. And uh, now, thankfully, uh, they have been incredibly successful. They had a cameo in, in Pitch Perfect 2, I believe it was, with uh, a certain Josh right. Allen girlfriend. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a gr- it's a great group. And uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to them, Pentatonics, they have a bunch of Christmas albums, and, and they're pretty popular this time of year. John Scott, Spectrum News One, joining me here on the West Her Hotline. We had a caller earlier. <clears throat> I'm sure you've seen the video going viral of Josh getting the A game ball. 
from the locker room and somebody was mad. There's somebody, it was some Miami troll who, I mean, I guess it picked up like, Oh my God, imagine being James Cook and Josh Allen gets the game ball. And I said, yeah, but you know, we don't know. And then someone said, well, how do you not know you cover the team? It is kind of interesting. Like we don't really get that information, right? You're on the beat. They don't, they don't come out and announce who got the game balls every game. I would imagine maybe James Cook got one. I have no idea, but Josh got one obviously for breaking the uh, record of most games in a season with a touchdown pass and a touchdown run, but we don't really get that information right offhand. And who cares, to be perfectly honest with right. you? I mean, there's so yeah. much that goes into getting a game ball, and the only reason anyone even acknowledges the game ball situation is because of the moments after wins that the team puts out the post-game speech from Sean and, and all of that stuff. I, who cares? I, I will just say this in terms of also things that don't matter, but that maybe kind of plays into the, why did Josh get a game ball after a game that he was completed seven passes? I saw a headline on ESPN this morning that was, that said Josh Allen game manager question mark. And it's just (laughs) like, Holy smokes, man. Even, even when it's running well, the, uh, the nonsense outside of, of the Western New York bubble uh, continues. I mean, how many times have you or I been asked on a radio program, a TV program, whatever, by an out-of-town market, a national show, are they asking Josh Allen to do too much? And then this happens, and is he a game manager? What What are we doing? You cannot have it both ways here. Absolutely not. And actually, I think it was on Get Up, which is fascinating, after Mike Greenberg's <clears throat> phenomenal assessment of things over the past week yeah. or so of supporting <clears throat> Josh Allen while many others were, were seeming to doubt him and this team overall. What I always tell people, and this is not egotistical or anything like that, especially with a team like the Buffalo Bills, you really just have to focus on what is being said locally because the national people oftentimes don't truly have an accurate pulse on things. And, I'm, and I know I'm generalizing, but oftentimes mm-hmm. – they they look at things from such a wide perspective that they don't necessarily have the most accurate understanding of actually what is happening. And, and that's where the likes of you, myself, and, and many others here that cover the team regularly are, are a true aid to Bill's Mafia. John, is it as simple as the offensive coordinator change over the last few weeks for you on what's been better about the offense? I think it's, yes, in two ways. I think what Joe Brady is calling and maybe the energy that Sean McDermott has referenced multiple times since the move was made, that has helped them. But let's also understand they're not turning the football over the same way. They're not committing the stupid penalties the same way. We did see some drops this past game, but James Cook ran past all of those and and overcame those. The mistakes, they are just so much tighter offensively than they were under Ken Dorsey. And that's where coming out of the Denver game, he gets fired. That game was not a this is Ken Dorsey's fault game. It just happened to be they lost in a stupid way. Something had to change, and Dorsey was the guy because the offense overall had not been performing remotely close to the way that they should be. I think maybe it was as much a wake-up call to the guys on that unit. Hey, we cost a guy we really love 
his job. And now we may cost ourselves a chance to make the playoffs and pursue another Super Bowl run if we continue to play so loose and not be focused on the fine details and stop making stupid mistakes. So I think it's, it's a twofold reaction that has come from the Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady move is Brady is doing some of the things that I'm sure all of us have discussed of incorporating James Cook more, letting Josh Allen run more, using more motion and being a little more diversified in the way the offense is operated and personnel packages and things like that. And it's not perfect, but it's better than it was. And then I just think the players themselves maybe really came together and said, we cost someone their job. It is now on us to, for ourselves, for our season, to get our act together as well. Let's go to the other side of the ball. You, you see the dip in production and the issues the defense had immediately after the injuries for the next several weeks, and now it's come back the other way. And the way I've been explaining it, you tell me if you agree with this, but you know, it, it takes time sometimes to figure out who does what well, and that comes from both the player's side and the coach's side. Look at the fact that Dorian Williams was playing more, and now it's more Tyrell Dotson, and even Balen Specter got in the game last week ahead of him. That's not a shot at Dorian Williams. My point I'm trying to make is it takes time on task to get these guys in and say, well, you know what, that's not really the role that he's best at. I think that Tyrell Dotson, they've kind of figured out a better way to play him, and he's been more productive the last few weeks. Is, is that what it is for you, too, is just time on task and understanding how the, these, these parts have to gel together? That and Sean McDermott, is a really freaking good defensive coordinator. He's a great yeah. defensive mind. And this is not a – I'm not referencing anything that's happened over the past few weeks. Just there's been a lot of criticism around Sean. And some of it I think is justified. I think the in-game stuff and some of his decision-making, the Philadelphia game, things like that, rightfully so he deserves criticism. But as much criticism as he deserves in that aspect of being a head coach – he deserves equal, if not greater, praise for the job he has done to, with this defense this season as the man in the hot seat because I love Leslie Frazier. I think he's a great defensive mind. I'm not sure he would be able to adjust the way that Sean has to all of the things that have happened to this defense with guys going down. I mean, to not simply say, hey, we're going to play next man up, but we're still going to play nickel defense all the time, and Taron's always going to play 90% of the snaps, and we're going to always have two linebackers. For Sean to find ways to maximize the people he does have in terms of the three safety looks, going base defense out of left field a couple times against the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, and blitzing at certain times while also seeming to cover guys, and, and, and the way he's been able to maneuver all of these pieces, I, I think – needs a greater appreciation from the fan base and, and, and those on the outside because he has been phenomenal at navigating something that has been incredibly hard, and the defense, by and large, has not missed a beat. John Scott on the Wester Hotline, Spectrum News 1. It's a great point. Um, you know, the, the adjustment part of it is right. They've made some adjustments here, and now they have to maybe adjust with Jordan Phillips being out a little bit here. But maybe Daquan Jones is coming back. How how big of an infusion would that be to get Daquan Jones? If Now, there's some hints. He posted something on Instagram, apparently. 
maybe hinting that he could be available soon. We know that Sean's discussed that a little bit. What kind of impact do you think losing Jordan Phillips could be, but then also maybe gaining Daquan Jones here down the stretch? 100. Daquan Jones was arguably their best defensive lineman, period, outside of Leonard Floyd at the time that he got hurt. And I think it's we always, even dating back to, of course, Starless Tulele and others, the interior guys are really hard to understand their value because oftentimes they're not splashing. They're doing jobs that aren't required to be seen or noticed. And Daquan Jones was even being noticed in his role early on in the season. He's a beast. And I think his attitude also, he's such a, on the surface, a reserved guy. But when I sat down with him a year ago, I mean, he's ferocious. I mean, his mentality resonates throughout the rest of that line. We've seen Ed Oliver elevate his game to what should be, in my opinion, a Pro Bowl appearance for the first time. And now you bring back Daquan Jones, potentially. Even if Jordan Phillips was healthy, it also slides all of these guys into maybe their more appropriate role. Maybe they're not playing as many snaps. And now, if you bring back Daquan, that obviously is a one-for-one for Jordan Phillips, I, w- I wouldn't anticipate that happening this week, but at some point. Right. And then once, if you get everybody back, now you're adding in Linval Joseph to a group on the inside that wasn't there at the beginning of the season. <coughs> and now you're just even deeper. It's, it's amazing. Again, you talk about versatility. We've seen Sean kick guys like Greg Rousseau inside or even put Ed Oliver on the outside. I mean, that just adds a whole different – dynamic to a defensive front that I think has been a, a bright spot by and large this season. How about, how about Jordan Phillips at defensive end getting a sack last week? <laughs> he kicked outside. Yeah. I, and again, that's also just Sean putting them in that position. Right. Because you would never think of that a guy, the size and, and, and the abilities of Jordan Phillips, but he's an athletic, big, big guy. And, and imagine you throw that to a, an offensive line what the heck? We got Jordan Phillips on the outside. We got this guy, Greg Rousseau, on the inside. It, it's, it, it, it confuses them and makes them think a lot more quickly. Uh, great stuff there. And, and yeah, I, I think injuries are going to happen. They've done a great job of navigating them. And, and if they could get Daquan Jones back, I mean, we saw what happened in the Cincinnati game when he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I think if this defensive line, I think they have been the biggest reason the rest of the defense has been able to absorb the injuries they sustain because there was a little lull, but again, most of this season, I think they've been very good at consistently producing pressure. John Scott, Spectrum News One. We, you and I, are on a collision course in fantasy football. We just have to take care of the uh, this week in our media league. You have... Jonah Bronstein in the semifinals. I have Jonah Javad. We're playing the two Jonas, you and I. We got to beat the the Jonah brothers, I guess you'd say, and then we could uh, match up in the championship. We we've had the two best teams all year, but now it's crunch time. We got to get taken care of. My only loss in I think over two months was to you, and you put up one eighty. I think I still put up one fifty. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, my team's been humming. I even in a buy put up one fifty last week. So saw that. Uh, it, It'll it'll be interesting. I always maybe I'm a pessimist. I always look at it and say, "Well, my luck's got to run out at some point." Uh, it has not been an overall very good fantasy year for me. I lost a playoff game this past week in another league. 
by 1.7 points. So uh, this is all I got left. So hopefully I can uh, forge ahead to the championship and not be the one seed that gets bounced immediately. You are an Ohio State fan. I'm going to ask you about Kyle McCord in a minute. But first, just how everything played out at the end of the year with the CFP and who made it and who didn't, how did that rub you? Do you think that the committee got it right or wrong? I thought it was fine. It's unfortunate. Listen, I completely understand the gripe that Florida State would have. Hey, what are we supposed to do? We did everything we're supposed to. We're a power five. But the committee has made it clear from the beginning that they look at teams and say, who are the four best teams that can compete in this playoff right now? And they have to take injuries into account. And Florida State's quarterback situation is bad because of injuries. And you put Florida State in there, they're going to be, what, over a touchdown at least underdog from the beginning? And, and who needs to see that type of performance? I, I just I, I think it's fine to put those teams in. I actually think they're phenomenal matchups. And I look forward to Michigan losing. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now, listen, you, you are not a big Kyle McCord fan. You're Ohio State Buckeyes. And I understand because you're so used to C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields and these amazing quarterbacks. But, you know, at Syracuse, we don't have that, th- these kinds of teams that Ohio State has had. Kyle McCord now goes into the portal. He commits to Syracuse. I'm excited to get a guy like this. Am I over? Should I, should I be that excited? I mean, what can he do for the Syracuse Orange? I'm going to talk to you objectively. I'm not going to talk in my fan, my fandom. Okay. Here. All right. Kyle McCord is not an Ohio State caliber quarterback. So, right. yes, I understand the hype that Syracuse fans have. Oh, my gosh, we got Kyle McCord. He beat Notre Dame. He had all of these things. Yes, it's. Ohio State's been on an incredible run of Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, first-round picks. That's not going to happen every year. But McCord had issues from start to finish, reading defenses with accuracy. And, oh, by the way, he was not developing through the season with arguably the greatest wide receiver in college football in a decade-plus, at least probably another first-round wide receiver at the other side, a running back who's probably going to get picked in at least the second or third round, a tight end that's probably going to get drafted. I mean, they're just littered with five, four, five-star recruits. The talent around Kyle McCord is certainly not what he's going to be surrounded by at Syracuse, as great as Mm -hmm. this coach has done at bringing in talent through the portal. So to me, it's I saw what he was, and he's not a freshman. He's been around for a while. He hasn't developed with one of the most talented offensive rosters in all of the nation. What makes me think that he's going to be overly successful with lesser talent around him at Syracuse? That's, that's just – that's the way it is. And imagine what the numbers would have been if he wasn't throwing to Marvin Harrison on some of these plays. He bailed him out time and time again. So, yes, Ohio State as a team – had a, not for Ohio State standards, but for Syracuse standards, I mean, they lost one game, and Kyle McCord was the quarterback, but he was the reason that they did not achieve what they should have as an overall team, and uh, that's why I'm not very high or think that he's going to be the savior for Syracuse. Now, as I've talked to Syracuse people, you included, 
all that being said, he still probably is the most talented quarterback Syracuse has had in like 30 years. So that doesn't mean it's it's bad for them. I just don't – I wouldn't expect just because he's coming from Ohio State that he's going to be this savior of sorts. You know, that's a lot of disrespect for our guy Eric Dungy at Syracuse. And how about, you know, uh, Ron, uh, you know, um, Greg Paulus up at Niagara. Greg Paulus did pretty well when he was there for a year, going from Duke to Syracuse. But you're right. I mean, the, the level of player, you know, coming out and what they can get will help. I would say, I think that, like, well, the competition he's going to face. But honestly, John, the ACC wasn't bad this year. The ACC had quite a few good teams. So normally you'd think, yeah, but he's not an Ohio State caliber quarterback, but he's also going to be facing lesser competition. That's not really the case going to Syracuse next year. The ACC has been pretty good. And I wasn't overly impressed with the Big Ten. I know they had teams scattered around the top 25 at points, but really it was Michigan and Ohio State the whole time. Even Penn State, I'm sorry, I know there's a, a group around Western New York that's Penn State fans. They're frauds every year. I'm sorry. They just they just Ooh. are. They're, they'll, they'll win nine to ten games. It's fine. They'll beat up on the bad teams in the Big Ten, but they they're not even remotely close to a top tier Big Ten team in the caliber or echelon of Ohio State, and Michigan. They think it every year because they roll into the Michigan or Ohio State game undefeated or whatever, but it, they're they're just not. They're frauds. So um, I'm not usually overly impressed with the Big Ten. I wasn't this year, so uh, I would agree with your sentiment that I, I don't think it's he, he's going to be catching that big of a break by moving from the Big Ten over to the ACC. Man, John Scott today on the Extra Point Show laying the smackdown to Penn State and their fans. You can uh, get after him on Twitter if you want to do that. And in the meantime, he can tell you all about um, the <laughs> Buffalo end zone uh, with you and Kevin Carroll. What do you guys got going on? Yeah, so we're we're going to do our game preview for the Chargers game podcast episode tonight, probably 5, 6 o'clock. That'll come out YouTube on our YouTube page, Buffalo End Zone Podcast YouTube, and then on all your podcast platforms. And then after the game, I'll be out there in Los Angeles on Saturday, and we'll have the post-game yep. show with Kevin Carroll and Fred Jackson's on there to provide his anal- analysis and be in the locker room and post-game stuff and all of that. And you can find that on Spectrum News 1 in Buffalo and in Rochester. Yeah, and uh, I'll see you out in L.A. In the meantime, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you, your family, Heather, Otto, everybody. And, um, you know, you guys have a, a great weekend, but I'll see you out in L.A., obviously. And for all you Penn State fans who want to get after John, it's at John Scott TV on X, at John, with, it, with no H, at John. I want to hear, I want you to hear from the Penn State fans today after that SmackDown, but that's what I want. Nothing would give me greater joy this Christmas season than to go at it with fraudulent Penn State fans. I love it. All right, buddy. Be good, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. All right. I'll see you soon. Bye. Yeah, for sure. That's John Scott, Spectrum News 1. Always good to chat with John. He knows his stuff. Good insight. Yeah, I'm look, I'm excited. You know, you think about Syracuse football. Kyle McCord, Ohio State. One of the top ranked teams in the country. He's been there three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's not wrong. The numbers aren't great for Kyle McCord. He's like a 65, 66% passer or something like that last year at Ohio State with great weapons, great receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. But I'm still excited. I like what Fran Brown's building. I like what he's doing. He's bringing in some nice recruits. Um, Devin Grant, I believe, also from UB. And I know it's a big loss for UB. And, and that stinks here locally. But it's a big you know get for Syracuse to get a guy you know in the secondary like that. Who, by the way, I believe he is Dean Marlowe's nephew. Interestingly enough, he also had he had two pick sixes in a game earlier uh, this year for the UB Bulls. So 
Um, Fran Brown working the transfer portal and Kyle McCord, the quarterback there. In the meantime, uh, check out John, like I said, on social at John Scott TV, J-O-N Scott TV. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back here and we'll take more of your phone calls. If you want to jump on board, 803-0550. I want to take a look ahead and just kind of navigate through what the Bills do have to do here and what they have to rely on and how it looks for them heading into week number 16 and uh, game number 15 against the Chargers on Saturday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.